Hello and welcome to the International Therapist Podcast with me, Leanne Scheel. Today is the fourth episode of our Virtual Congress series, where we are speaking to a broad range of expert seminar hosts on the lead up to the event, which is taking place on Sunday the 13th and Monday the 14th of June. We are thrilled to be trialling our Congress online this year. It means that for the first time ever, therapists from all over the country can access interesting and insightful seminars from speakers across the globe. I'm your host, Leanne Shiel, Deputy Editor of International Therapist magazine, and today I'll be having a conversation with experienced osteopath Cameron Reed, who is speaking to me from his premises in Norfolk. Cameron qualified as an osteopath in 1986 from the British School of Osteopathy in London. Today, he offers a broad range of treatments to support clients with back and neck pain, sciatica and sports injuries. That's just to name a few. Wanting to share his knowledge more widely, Cameron set up the Cameron Reed Training School, which provides manual training for massage therapists, sports therapists and physiotherapists. Cameron's mantra is, the answer is in front of you, you just have to find it. So welcome to the podcast, Cameron. I wondered if you could begin by telling us a little bit about your journey into osteopathy. Manual therapy treatment is where I wanted to go. Well, I wanted to go into that direction. I wasn't sure exactly. And uh, from a very young age. And then um, so anyone else, I went to university and did a human biology degree. And it was during that time that I then worked out what I was going to do. Okay. And... um, I had a, I had a, a bit of a way out idea that <laughs> I was going to go to America and um, do a master's in America, you know, oh, and, yeah. uh, and uh, well, I didn't, didn't really think about it. I thought, oh yeah, that'd be really good. What a great idea. I'll go to America. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then my tutor at university said, um, he said, Cameron, why do you want to go to America to do this master's? And I said, um, well, I don't know. It was like quite a good idea. And it was something I was really into. So it was a master's in sports medicine, you see. And I thought, well, that's really the direction I want to go in. And he said, okay, that's fine. And I'll, you know, but you'll come back to England, presumably, and you'll have a master's in sports medicine. And what are you going to do then? Yeah. And I went, this is back in the early 80s. And I went, yeah, you're right, I think. <laughs> what am I going to do? So he then wrote, He gave, He gave. this was a, a Friday afternoon, I always remember it, he gave me a little bit of paper and then he wrote osteopathy on it and passed it to me. And he said, go away, come back next week and see me, tell me what you think. So I went to the library and I dusted off these two old books that <laughs> no one had ever taken out. Uh, that was amazing. There was two books on osteopathy there, which I was quite amazed at. And um, I sat down and just read what well, read that. I went through them uh, over that weekend, and uh, that was it. Yeah, and then that was it. I was sold. That was it. So, <laughs> was he one of those teachers that um, kind of will always stay with you? Was he a good, a really good teacher during uni? He was. Um, yeah, he was a really he was really good. He did some lecturing for for me, but not not that much. But uh, he was, um, yeah, he was excellent. He knew me really well. We were really good friends, actually. And about oh gosh, how long? So let me quickly work this out. About ten years later, 
just I was walking through Waterloo Station in London. Yeah. And we walked right past each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, I went, God, you know, and, um, uh, you know, what are you doing here? You know, and he'd been somewhere, I don't know. And um, so, yeah, we caught up and, um, yeah, he was really pleased that things were going well and all uh, that. So, yeah. Oh, I'm pleased. So that's the journey. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. so from there, you you um, went self-employed straight up. Yeah, so I, um, so I, I needed to get some work, obviously. So when I qualified, I had no job, no nothing to go to. And um, just by chance, by pure chance, I, uh, a, 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 an osteopath I, who I didn't really know that well said, look, there's a guy in Kent who's looking for someone, right? Here's his number. So I phoned him up, Graham Mason was his name, and he's passed away now. But um, we got on, you know, I went to see him. He said, look, all I have is a Saturday morning. That's all I have. And I'll take anything. So this is the days when osteopathy wasn't that popular, really, you see. So um, I said, I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. I'll take anything. And um, so my Saturday morning started. And then um, over, I don't know, about four, four months, I went from that to working him for him for three days a week. So it just built from there. And um, he was great. He taught me an awful lot, you know, an awful lot uh, about the, the practicalities of everything, you know. So, yeah. yeah. But that's it. So that was my first job. And then, um, so I was self-employed, obviously. And then was, I just built from there. And then I decided that, um, although I liked living in London, I, 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 I didn't want to live there all my life, you know. Yeah. So I decided to move out. Yeah. And you're in Norfolk now? I'm in Norfolk, yeah. So it's a lovely sunny day. I'm in a semi-rural place. So there's like, um, uh, I've got the cricket ground right next to me. And then, then it's just countryside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's your, your clinic, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, live, I work from home. Okay. So I'm very lucky. I have a, like a building at the back of the house, which was an old, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, stable and uh, so we renovated renovated the stable and uh so that's a separate building so it's great so it's like i don't really work from home although i do but yeah. you still have to go somewhere else it's kind of in your a mental yeah, exactly place. yeah 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 you know i walk about i don't know 20 paces and then i'm there so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned that um osteopathy wasn't very popular kind of back in the day yeah. What has changed or has it changed? I, I imagine so. Um, I don't think osteopathy itself has changed that much, really. It's just acceptance has changed and education has changed and, pe and people are much more aware of, of you, know, you can go see an osteopath if you like. Um, yeah, so I think it's just awareness. I suppose um, the education has become even better. So... Now we're regulated by the government, so obviously standards have to reach a certain uh, level, mm -hmm. and um, and so that's benefited osteopathy and the, and the teaching. Um, not that when I was studying that it was bad or anything, because it wasn't bad. It was it was good, but um, it's just much more uh, uh, organised and um, regulated. Yeah. Regulated, yeah. Yeah. And it's word of mouth a lot of the time, isn't it? I think if someone says, "Wow, this is." done amazing things for me that spreads doesn't it 
Yeah, it does. And uh, yes, the word of mouth by far the best way. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know what it is really, but it's, I would think a good 80% of people come th here through word of mouth, probably more actually. So um, yeah, it's, it's best, far the best way really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, your talk um, at the Virtual Congress is on knee injuries in runners. Um, yes. I wondered if you could just talk me through a little bit about what um, listeners can expect to see. And Okay, so, um, all right, so any, any course that I do, my aim is to make it really practical and to make it so that people can understand it um, and make it so that they can learn something on that course. And then Monday morning, they know how to use it and they can use it in their own place. Not just like I've been on courses that have been good, but not, not practical. So you think, yeah, well, that was really good. Very interesting. Really pleased I did it. But how am I going to use all that information? How am I going to do it? You know? So um, I, 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 uh, my aim is to make it so that it's usable straight away. And so I go through three common injuries. Uh, Patella penalty. No, two. <laughs> to patellofemoral pain and ITB pain, so iliotibial tract pain, and uh, go through what are the common signs, the most obvious signs that someone's developing this kind of injury, and then what are the, the main factors you've got to look at to help that person straight away? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we going to do? Okay, so, um, you know, I want you to do, I want you to look for these three things, one, two, three, and uh, you've got to ask these questions, you know, blah, 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 without revealing too much. But, <laughs> that's great. but you know, that, that's, what you, that's what I would want. Yeah. If it was me, I'd go, great, you know, I know all about the injury. I know everything that happens, but I still don't know how am I going to manage someone who comes into my clinic with that problem. So that's what I'm trying, hopefully I've achieved that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. So in terms of your day-to-day, -day, do you have a mix of training and working with clients? Um, and is that something that's changed since the pandemic, now that you're back? Well, it has, but it was, the training side was never the main part of what I do anyway. And, and I don't think it ever will be. It's because I like seeing people a lot. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy it. And, um, but, before I started the training thing, I was missing something. I was, I wouldn't say I was getting bored because I, I, I wasn't getting bored, but I wanted something else, you know, another kind of thing to think about. So, um, and uh, I, um, there's, um, so at the UEA, the University of East Anglia in Norwich, um, just through someone who knew me and someone else who knew, who knew someone else, the, um, Sports, uh, the sports, uh, uh, well, the, the what do you call it? Physical education department. So they do a degree. Phoned me up. Oh, I got an email from the course leader out of the blue. And she said, Look, can you teach anatomy and physiology? This was like in the about the 1st of September. Wow. So I didn't quite work out. Well, I worked out that obviously the first year lecturer had wasn't able to do it or something had happened yeah. and they said you know can you do it like you know get back to me now yeah and uh, and I saw that as my opportunity and they put me through my teaching qualification 
they put me through everything. And uh, so I did that for three and a half years. So, um, so I got a teaching qualification out of it and experience. Yeah. And then I decided that, hang on a moment, I could do this. I could do this a bit. And so that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I should think it's about 10 or 15, 10%, 15% of what I do. Yeah. So it's not a, a big part, um, but, I, but I'll always do it. Yeah. yeah. And have you taken it online at all or is it? Would you prefer? Yeah, so my, my sport and spine course is online with the FHT and, and uh, they sort of accredited it, etc. And so uh, that's been really successful. Um, that's, at the moment, that's the only course I've got online. Mm -hmm. um, but I've got ideas for, for others, you know, which I will, I, I will add. But I suppose that if there was a good thing about the pandemic, it gave me three months. So it was the April, May and June that of last year gave me three months to film it write it and get it online which is what i did so i got my son over he was a, uh, got my daughter over <laughs> and uh, my daughter became the cameraman my son was the model and then i was like it was like a real family affair and uh, they had you know i fed them and watered them and everything and uh, they just did it they loved it so um <laughs> And then, uh, yes, went out all right. So um, this summer, hopefully, the summer holidays, hopefully, or some finishes university now, so like in, in a, like two weeks. And um, so I've got some time with him and we can do a little bit more filming or some stuff. Yeah, yeah good luck with it. I hope it goes yeah, well. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about osteopathy and kind of, is there anything that um, the average person kind of wouldn't know or something really interesting that you want to share? Is that the I don't know. I don't know what people would like to know, really. I mean, um, all my patients, I think, I reckon, come and see me because <laughs> they say, go see Cameron, he'll sort you out. And, and they don't, you know, they don't even know what I do. They don't even know, you know, what, what, you know, what am I? You know, what am I? You know, I'm an osteopath, I'm a physio, what am I? You know, they don't know, they, and they don't care. They, they'll come along anyway, you know. So um, they don't. They like to know what I'm doing, but um, I think I think one of the main th factors is this kind of myth that osteopaths put things back in place, mm -hmm. you know, that are misaligned, and you're going to clunk it back in place, and then you're going to be fine. And that's just simply just not true. This is a complete fallacy. So. Um, so although we, you know, we have certain skills, you know, certain manual skills that we're quite good at, um, they aren't really putting things back in place, all right? So um, I suppose that's the main one of the myths, really, that people are quite sure and um, people, patients will come and see me and say, oh, Cameron, you know, my back's out and can you put my back back in place again? And, and I spend the next half an hour telling them that, no, I won't put it back in place, but I'll make you better. And then, then they go, uh, they leave and they go, oh, I feel great. Oh, well, hopefully they feel great. And thanks for putting it back in again. You know, so I spent half an hour telling them it won't happen. And then they say, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crazy. But I suppose that's one of the big things that, you know, you're not realigning things. It's all a bit of a myth. Really. But what you're doing is acting on the nervous system. You're acting on, you're actually affecting the nervous system more than anything. That's what you're doing. And um, so... 
After your clients have seen you, do they have a part to play in um, maintaining their health and looking after themselves? But what does that look like? That For me, that's a massive part. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my, so I've been practicing 33 years now. And I reckon I've worked it out. About every 10 years, I change what I, what, how I look at things. It's how it's worked out. So for the first 10 years, I thought, and it's, a, it's my opinion, it's wrong, but I thought that treatment would cure it, the problem, yeah. but it doesn't. Treatment does cure things, some things almost straight away, but, but it's more that it doesn't. It, you need some aftercare also. Mm-hmm. So that took me about 10 years to work that one out. And uh, so the second 10 years so that was more about um, that it's what we do to ourselves that affects us, you know, yeah. to work that one out. It's not like a bit of bad luck that I hurt my back. That bad back has come on or that sports injury or whatever it is has come on because you're aggravating it. You're aggravating that knee or you're aggravating back. So that was the next 10 years. So that's 20. And then the last yeah. 10 years is been that I'm really hot on aftercare. And I think to me, it's the way, it's the way forward. Yeah. I think, um, uh, you know, I see people and maybe I've offended one or two, I don't know, um, where I say, look, you're doing great. I don't really need to see you next week or in the next two weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got the tools, you know what to do. And most people go, oh, great, that's great, great. And then about 10 or 15% look at you and go, oh, you don't want to see me anymore? No, not, nothing personal, but no, I do. And they go, oh, okay. And they walk out. And I can't keep everyone happy, but really it's, I think the key is looking after yourself, knowing what, how to do it. I'll help you get there. I'll tell you how I want you to do it. I'll make sure you understand that. And then, you know, personally, I don't want to see you again. I mean, I like seeing you, but I don't really want to see you again. You see what I mean? You know, exactly. <laughs> that's really awful, isn't it, really? But, I mean, that's basically it. For me, that's how it should, that's how it should be. I have to check back in another seven years to find out if there's anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'll still be working. I will be still working. So, yeah, give us a call. Yeah. Uh, I wondered, um, Cameron, if you could kind of leave our listeners with uh, three key tips um, moving out of the pandemic and kind of moving forwards. Wow. Um, I think, okay, so not related to the pandemic, but I think you've got to go your own way. There's no point doing things that you think the book tells you to do if you don't like it or you don't think it's right. Because a book is only a book. It, you know, it's a book, that's it. It's only someone's opinion. Um, so it, that takes a few years to trust what you do, to trust yourself in that thing. I know, but I'm extremely happy with how I work, okay? And, um, and I think that doesn't come overnight but you've got to trust yourself and go your own way. I think that's the first thing. Otherwise you just won't be happy. And um, so that's one thing, Um, educate yourself. 
or I, I read a lot. Um, I've got a book over there, just I'm on the go. Um, I'm always, I'm always finding out new things always. So I, I know I don't know everything at all. And, um, but I'd like to. And um, so I read a lot. So I think you've got to educate yourself. You've got to trust what you do so you become your own person and your own therapist. Okay, I think that's those are two main things, really. And the last thing, I <laughs> can't think of something, but, you know, I think you've got to like people. You've got to be a people person. Yeah. And um, you've got to um, consider them and their situation and their personal circumstances and understand that. And I think you need that too. So... I guess those, those are the three things. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And yeah. I think if this um, pandemic has kind of taught people anything, it's whether or not they're people, 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 because having spent time by themselves and not with other people, I think it... it exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And I think it suddenly, uh, I mean, I remember the, when, we, when there was that lockdown back in April 2020, the end of March, um, in fact, the weekend before, on the Monday that that everything closed down, I was delivering a FHT course in uh, in Harrogate. Wow! Yeah, and I was in this hotel, and then suddenly there was all this news coming through, and yeah. we kind of thought, "Oh my God, what's going on?" You know, all the and then um, I drove home from Harrogate, and all the therapists went their separate ways, and that was on the Sunday night. And on the Monday, it was like, "That's it, guys." Yeah, I was going. Oh. So I thought my whole life had ended, really, because I thought, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay the bills? How, how am I going to do it? And, and, and touch wood, luckily, the government were fantastic. Um, for me, they were absolutely fantastic and, uh, and helped out, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think you've got to think that your know, life is you know, shorts and, 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 and you just don't know what's around the corner. No, yeah. I love that honesty because I think a lot of FHT members will have felt exactly the same after hearing yeah, that. Yeah, sure, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode, Cameron. From our conversation, I've learned things to incorporate into my own life and I'm sure so many of our listeners will have taken useful snippets to apply in their own practice. As mentioned earlier in this conversation, Cameron will be speaking about common injuries in runners at the FHT Virtual Congress, which is taking place on the 13th and 14th of June. Tickets are just £30 for FHT members and £45 for non-members. For more information, go to fht.org.uk slash virtual congress. For easy clicking, I'll also include a link in the bio of this episode. Now I am delighted to announce that our next guest is the wonderful Jennifer Young, who launched the skincare brand Beauty Despite Cancer in 2013, and today trains many therapists in the industry to develop their knowledge on supporting people living with cancer. My conversation with Jennifer will be live next Monday at fht.org.uk slash podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you soon. Mm-hmm.